Hi, welcome to the Mastermind Project podcast. My name is Brian McRae. I'm the founder of the Mastermind Project. And this podcast is intended to help you grow as a leader, to grow in productivity, and also to grow in relationships. Those are the three topics that we will always talk about here at the Mastermind Project. Chances are you're a small business owner or maybe a commissioned sales professional and you're looking to grow. And we know that growth doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. So once a month, we host an event designed to help givers grow. And so that's what we're here for. And this podcast is taken from a general session of a portion of our live event. So if you're comfortable, please join us. Feel free to join us. And you can go to www.brianckmcrae.com. And you can register for our next event, which is the third Thursday of the month. So sit back and enjoy the shared learning experience here of the Mastermind Project. glad that you all are here and you know just a couple of things like from the beginning then Mike was running through jumpstart stuff you might be thinking I wasn't at jumpstart I don't intend to go to jumpstart I'm not really sure what to do with that information and what I hope that you heard though is that people showed up somewhere they heard something and then they went and took action on it and I hope that's what you do today Okay, you're gonna hear some things today. Pick something to go take action on, right? So it wasn't about, it is about them. We wanna celebrate with them. We wanna celebrate the things that they've taken action on, but it's also about what you can do. So if you heard something from one of those people, I want you to go talk to them at the end, right? Again, connecting people and possibilities. So go talk with them and find out a little bit more information about what they did. And, um, and that way you can kind of like get some more insights and maybe add some of those things to your business. See, we're gonna see. I'm gonna give you guys hope. Anybody can do this. We gotta figure out how to use my little clicker. All right, so um, Mike gave us a preview here. We are gonna be talking about Never Split the Difference. How many of you have read Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference? Keep your hands up if you've read it more than once. Okay, yeah, there you go, there you go. How many times have you read it? Somebody give me some shout outs. Five, six. Okay. Three, twenty. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's good. Why do you read it so many times, guys? Yeah. In what ways, Mona? I refer to it on a regular basis. If I'm going on a listing appointment, I just put the audible on yep. and think about it and think, okay, I need these. Yep. Absolutely. Tom? The reminder of tactical empathy. Yes. <laughs> Such an ever-present reminder, especially in this time. Yes? We're gonna talk about that today. That's like one of my favorites. I know y'all aren't surprised. Anybody else? Why do you read it more than once? Yes. Absolutely. And we're so glad to have you back in the room. Thanks for being here, Ken. Good to see you. Awesome. All right. So absolutely. Guys, if you're not reading books more than once, it might be something you want to challenge yourself with. But this book specifically, so I read this book every year. Yes, I did say that every year. There are a couple of books that I read every year, and this is one of them. And traditionally, if you spend much time in my inner circle and we're having conversations that feel courageous or challenging to you, you might ask me, what are you reading right now? And then you may avoid me. <laughs> if I say never split the difference, you may choose to spend less time with me. I know that my family does. They're usually like, oh my gosh, she's reading the book again, right? Because you learn things every time and you get better at it and better at it. So I'm not trying to sell a book. I'm going to share a lot of stuff with you today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get an implementation guide at the end so that you can just kind of take and lift some things. But I promise you, the message you hear today, you're going to hear something that 
possibly you've heard before or maybe something completely new, but if you read the book, you're gonna get it in a totally different way as well, all right? So I'm excited about this book because I do believe, like Mike said earlier, we are in what can be a challenging market right now and we get to decide how we look at that every day, right? We get to choose that and if we look at it wrong, and then it's probably gonna show up less than stellar in our lives. And so we need to really watch how we are um, taking in the environment around us and what we're choosing to say or believe or speak over ourselves. And this book talks a lot about that, all right? So we are gonna talk about um, negotiating as if your life depends on it. You guys ready? Okay, I know Mike told you to get out paper. He wasn't wrong. Like sometimes I'm like, it's all good. You're gonna maybe get one or two things, but there's gonna be a lot of stuff in this. And you might wanna take some pictures too. Totally up to you. Not because I'm that great, because this book is amazing. Allison's reading it right now, yes? Yeah, and Allison, you're not a big reader, right? Yeah, and she's like laughing and doing all kinds of stuff. So yeah, incredible, really, really good read. All right, so one of the things that Chris said, and I put this up here in a quote because I think people are gonna um, want this, is that scripts, are nothing more than a predetermined excuse me, sequence of actions, offers, and counteroffers designed in a specific order to bring about a particular outcome. In the real world, negotiation is far too unpredictable for that. Now you may have found that. I know Mike asked you earlier, how many of you are in the real estate space or the mortgage space, right? Or something that shoulders with that. Right? The truth is, I hear this a lot when I'm talking with clients um, or talking with agents or different people. Like, I'll hear them say, right, I got to get in there and work on my scripts. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's okay. What I am saying is that probably you're going to run into something that is not going to like fit into your script box. And so Dan mentioned it, I think. Maybe Tom mentioned it. Oh, no, Tom mentioned it. Tactical empathy is something we're going to talk about today that I promise you it like should get you excited. Like it's super exciting. It's like a skill set and you kind of like dig into it, but it's, it is very exciting. Um, and the reason for that is because you're going to learn some great scripts and you're going to have some great phrases, but you're probably going to need to figure out how to empathize with people and how to move into that environment. And so I love this and I feel like this is honestly a really good summary of the book. The reality is, is we can practice all day long. I can practice to stand in front of you and talk to you about this, and at the end of the day, something's gonna come up, something's gonna happen, or whatever, and I'm gonna need to pivot, right? And so that is, in, in a lot of ways, that's what this book helps us with. Are you guys excited? Yes. Okay, good, all right, I need to feel it. <laughs> all right, I wanna talk a little bit about the cycle of business. How many of you are in business for yourself? Okay, how many of you get your paycheck based on what you do? Right? I don't mean like show up and clock in, right? And that's not a bad thing if that's what you do. All I'm saying is, is right, it is dependent on you, right? Which means every day you've got to show up. Earlier, the gentleman said that he under um, he did not think that the 321 journal was gonna be that helpful in his career, but he was wrong. He needed that every day to remind himself. Can somebody tell me what the 321 journal is? Just shout it out loud. Three things you're grateful for. Yes, three things you're grateful for. To what? affirmations or I am statements, things you're believing for in your life or you're speaking over yourself in one. Big win from yesterday. Yes, big win from yesterday or in the last 24 hours, right? So very important, right? So those, that is something that was critical for this person to keep his mindset right, all right? I talk to people about mindset, productivity, and relationships. Those are the three things where I kind of camp and I spend time in those areas, all right? Mindset is mission critical. I would argue that it's probably the first most important thing. When your mindset's out of whack, it doesn't matter, all right? So in business, you are operating in one of these lanes at all times. You're either operating in creation, you're creating business, all right? You're operating in conversion, 
you're converting that business that you created, right? I went out and found it. I might have gone to a networking event. Um, Allison mentioned earlier, she learned about what, when she goes to networking events, what to do afterwards, right? What does that look like? Um, what, it, what needs to be happening, right? You can go to 50 networking events. If you don't do anything afterwards, you wasted a whole bunch of time and money, in my opinion, because your hours, you have an hourly rate, whether you're charging people or not, when, wherever you choose to spend time, right? So you're, cre you're converting that business or you're completing business, right? Anybody else like the closing table, right? <laughs> right, or when the deal comes through, right? Or the person signs on the dotted line, that's your completion of business. Okay, it's done, it's out the door. That's when people are happy a lot of times. We hope, if not, we get to have restorative conversations. Brian will talk about that next month. <laughs> um, so in your business, I want right now on your piece of paper that you got it earlier when we talked about that, I want you to write down whether or not you, you spend the most time in creation, conversion, or completion for your business. And if you're not sure what that means, ask your neighbor. Where do you spend most of your time? Okay, the second thing I want you to write down is, which one do you like the most? Anybody spend most of their time somewhere that they don't necessarily love, right? Do we, anybody else do that as a business owner? I'm like, oh man, I know I need to do more of that. So I keep driving to that. I keep putting that on my calendar. And then the other thing I want you to write down is, where, what are you really good at? Which of those areas are you like, no, I kill it here. Like when people show up, they're like, you should do this all the time. And you're thinking, I wish I could, right? Guys, awareness is really key. Once you're aware of where you're spending your time, it allows you to move, right? From awareness into acceptance, right? I've now accepted that I like to spend all my time in creation. And yet sometimes I also like for the lights to come on and to be able to buy the things I want at the grocery store, right? But I'm not converting enough, right? Today, guys, we're gonna talk about conversion. Does that make anybody happy that we're gonna talk about conversion? I would imagine a good percentage of this room wrote down that conversion might be an area where they need to grow or it wasn't in one of those other two categories right? Conversion is key. That's what we're going to talk about today. Converting business. Is that all right with everybody? Okay, good. So this is where we're going to throw the scripts out the window and I'm going to teach you what to do when you're in an environment and you've ha you're having a conversation with somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, they're not saying what they're supposed to be saying so that I can say what I'm supposed to be saying. Anybody ever, else ever have that? Yeah. All right. So people have two primal urges. We read about this in the book. People need two things, right? Now you might say, no, there's like all these other things that tell us stuff. Super awesome. Let's stick with this one for today. Okay. This is going to be the part that's going to help you move forward, right? So we're going to remove everything else. People want to feel safe and secure. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. They need to feel safe and secure. If you're trying to talk to them about something and they don't feel safe and secure, wouldn't you agree that they're probably not going to be like sticking with you and spending time with you and staying with it, right? So they want to feel safe and secure and they want to feel in control. Can you all relate to that? Any other control freaks in the room? Yeah. I have two books on my bookshelf. <laughs> One of them's like Control Freak 1.0 and then like Control Freak 2.0 or something. I don't think I've ever finished either of them. Don't judge me. I read this book every year, <laughs> right? But again, people want to feel safe and secure and they want to feel like they're in control. Would you love to be able to do that for everybody that you're having a conversation with? Yes. Can you imagine what happens when you do this with teenagers? If they feel like they're in control, you can do anything, right? If you could just let them feel like they're in control, right? How about the toddlers? Would you like green beans or broccoli for dinner, right? You don't say, well, what kind of vegetable do you want for dinner? 
right? Corn all the time, right? So we ask, we start driving to, right? You feel like you're in control. You get to make a decision, right? That's kind of that basic example of that kind of thing. But it's thinking through the options and what makes the most sense and then giving people um, the opportunity to feel in control. So today we're going to learn how to help people feel safe and secure and in control so that you can do more business. Is that good? Great. All right. So these are the ways that you do that. You just need to do these three things. This is it. After we learn these three things, then we can stop talking. So in order for people to feel safe and secure and like they're in control, you need to listen intensely. How many of you are amazing listeners? Good. That's awesome. That's so important. Um, listening intensely looks like a lot of different things. One of the things it does not look like or does not sound like is you thinking about what you're going to say in your head while they're talking. When you're listening intensely, there are generally gaps in your conversation because you're hearing them and you're processing what's happening, right? And you're thinking, okay, and you might even say that, okay, or you might say, that's good. Somebody that I get to hang out with and spend some time with is Tom Mueller. And when I'm having a conversation with Tom Mueller, he's listening intensely and I'm listening intensely. And frequently in our conversations, he'll say to me, that's right. And I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track. We're moving in the right direction. He heard what I said, right? Those kinds of cues. That is what listening intensely looks like. Can anybody in the room share what you like to hear from people or see from people when they're listening intensely? Share some examples. Yep. Reflective statements. Okay. Example of that, please. Somebody tells you a story about their kids, you paraphrase it back to them to let them know that you understood what they told you. Yes. I love that. If you're not doing that, write that down. Anybody else? Things you like to see when people are listening to you intensely. Tom. Head nods, eye contact. Yes. You know, little mm -hmm's, yep. sort of thing. Exactly. Yes. A nice word, even if they don't agree with you, like fascinating. Fascinating. Yes. That falls off my tongue regularly. You're right. Fascinating. So good. See, we're on the right track. You guys are already remembering stuff and picking up what I put down. All right, anything else that you like when somebody's listening intensely to you? Yes, Norm. Cell phone put away. Ah, cell phone put away. How many of you like that? Okay, how many of you are also addicted to it? Right, and it's always on you, okay? I really do like it when people put their cell phones away, but I gotta tell you, when I'm sitting at the table with someone and theirs is put away, I'm, I feel a little convicted because I'm like, no, I really want it right here next to me. It'll be quiet, I promise. It'll just be here, it'll be, st but no, like that's so, we need to model that for each other. Yes? Ah, good. So paraphrasing, right, like we talked about, but it, turn it around and make it funny. Good, Angie? Yes. Yes. Right. Digging deeper, asking questions. How many of you would like to ask more questions in your communication? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, fun thing Tom Durfee and Dan Lewigs rose their hands. I can tell you right now, they're both excellent at asking questions, but they both said that they want to get better at asking more questions, right? That's why they're really good at it because they recognize the importance of doing that in those settings, right? They understand how important that is and they want more. Tom. One of my favorite phrases that I try to work on using more is tell me more. Yes, yes, good. You intend to use that more, right, Tom? That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly the, it. That's the idea. Yeah, I love it. 
Tell me more. Good. I hope you guys are getting this stuff written down. All right. Second thing you have to do to make people feel safe and secure and to make them feel like they're in control is to demonstrate empathy. We're going to talk about the definition for empathy in a minute, but some of you might have one. What do you think of when I say the word empathy? Understanding. Understanding. Good. Thanks, Nathan. Relate to their emotions. Relate to their emotions. I like that. Derek? Yes, putting yourself in their shoes. Is that easy to do all the time? No. No, especially when you're like, this is so not happening, that's not real. I don't, that's not what I think should be, you should be saying, right? Like, or I know that's not what happened, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, case in point yesterday, go ahead. Not necessarily agreeing with them, but reassuring them. Yes, yes, exactly. David. Yes. Uh, it's a great way to show that you're actually caring what they have to say. Exactly. Exactly. So fun story. I don't, know, I don't know if you get tired of hearing about my family, but if you do, that's okay. I'm not talking next week, next month, so you can come back then. Um, so I actually am at the beginning, but I promise not to tell any stories about my family. So um, yesterday I got home and um, it's it smelled in my house like um, dog urine. Sorry. This, but this is real. And I was like, okay, what is going on here? I know when I left the house, I took the dog out. I told my teenager, who also happens to be a young adult, to make sure she takes the dog out before she leaves, right? My husband was home at three o'clock. And so I reached out. I, I already was like, listen, I know she did not take the dog out. Now, that was not the right answer, but that's in my head, right? I'm tired, there's a lot going on. I'm like, dang it, why didn't Kirsten take the dog for a walk, right? So I thought about it. I was like, she's finishing up at work. I said, hey, give me a call when you have a chance, right? Of course, we're dealing with the problem, solving all of that, whatever. Thank God we have wood floors, right? Easy. So taking care of that. Um, when she called, she was like, oh, I'm so tired. It's just been such a long day or whatever, right? I listened to her. Now, in my mind, I was like, girl, I'm telling you what. Like, this is the dog you wanted that now I take care of, right? And you're 19 years old and you think you want a puppy and all this stuff, right? And now this is what I'm dealing with. So, but I didn't say any of that, right? I just asked questions. Hey, can you tell me about Mocha before you left today? Right? Well, what do you mean? Like, what do you want to know? And I'm thinking, mm-hmm, yeah, I hear you. I'm listening <laughs> intensely. Yep, <laughs> right? Again, our dog's been sick, right? So, you know, whatever. So we've been, but we talked through it, right? I'm listening to what she's saying. Here's what I heard. I had a really long day at work. I don't feel great. I took the dog out before I left, but I didn't take her on a walk, right? Okay, that's real, right? I'm not even really sure what she did when I took her out. But I did take her out before I, before, we went, before I left for work, right? I was able to demonstrate empathy by saying, hey, I'm really sorry that you're having a hard day. I just wanted to circle back because I'm trying to make sure that the dog is not having any continence issues or whatever because she's been sick and there's a lot going on. And I just really wanted to circle back on that. I appreciate your ability to communicate to me exactly what that looked like this afternoon, right? So I didn't have to like push my agenda on her. I'm not sure that I necessarily believed everything that came out of her mouth. No disrespect, don't judge me. You've probably felt this way before. Okay, like I get it. She's a great kid, right? But in my mind, I was thinking, oh, I don't know about the whole going out and the time and whatever, but okay, right? But I had the ability to demonstrate empathy in that situation and I got what I needed. I didn't have to like have a whole conversation about it. It wasn't gonna change anything, right? That was still there. We were still dealing with it situation, you know, moved on from there. However, it gave Kirsten and I the opportunity to have pleasant conversation then last night as well, right? She wasn't annoyed with me when I got home. I already knew what her state was. She was tired, right? Like all the things. So that's an example of demonstrating empathy, being able to listen and not digging into like me trying to solve for something that wasn't going to fix anything, right? 
Okay? Anybody else? Anybody else buy their dog, their kid a dog, their dog, their kid a dog that you take care of? Okay, great. Three of us. Thanks. The rest of you all have saint kids. Somebody call me and tell me how that works. All right. <laughs> all right. You're probably better. That means you're better parenting about that stuff. I got it. All right. So we are going to be listening intensely. We're going to be demonstrating empathy and we are going to show a sincere desire to understand what the other person is experiencing. Right. So that's what I did with Kirsten. Okay. I wanted to show I am demonstrating. I want to deal with what you're experiencing right now. Now, the reality is she works with dogs at a little place called Puppingham Palace. If you haven't been there, it's super fun. Um, and she's with dogs all day long, right? So I'm thinking, how hard could it have really been, right? Like I'm thinking, okay, right? Like it must have been a really hard day, right? Like you were playing with dogs all day. But the reality is, is that's where her state was. And that was so important. I needed to be able to hear where she was. And then I needed to be able to get the information that I needed and help move the needle along, okay? So I say that because that was my ability to show a sincere desire in that situation while having empathy, all right? I'm not always that great. And if you're not thinking that was great, don't tell me because I felt like I did pretty great with that. All right, so those are the three things you need to perfect. Everybody get that? Okay, great. We can just close the laptop and go then, because this is it. If you guys know how to do this, now you're good. Would it help if we talked through a couple more ideas about this? Okay. All right, let's keep going. So I want to talk to you about communication a little bit. Um, so communication, has anybody seen this before? If you're hanging out with me, you've heard me say it, because I talk about it a lot. So oftentimes, maybe this isn't your situation, but I'm trying to put this perfect text message together or this beautiful email that I'm gonna get right and it's gonna have the bullets in the right spot and then after people get it, Tom's gonna be like, Dawn, it was like 17 pages long. That was like a lot. I appreciate the bullets, right? <laughs> so I'm trying to put all this perfect stuff together and I'm, gonna, I'm making sure all my words sound right and they're all showing up right, okay? Guys, here's the deal. Communication is only 7% about the words that we use. 7%. All this wasted energy that I'm putting into making sure I use the right words, right? It's only 7% about the words that we're using. So when we're sending all those wonderful text messages that are like amazing that we all have in keyboard shortcuts, if you don't know about that, we should talk, like, and you're getting stuff out to each other and you're communicating all these fabulous things and then you're thinking, why was that their response? Thumbs up. What? What? Thumbs up? Did you see what I said? It was amazing. It should be like an Emmy button. Emmy, right? So <laughs> I don't think Emmys have to do with writing, though. So anyway, don't tell me. Oscars? OK. So uh, <laughs> OK, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Dan always finds the loophole for me. He's like, let me solve that problem for you, Don. OK, thanks. Um, but guys, it's really only 7% about the words that you're using. And if it's only 7% about the words that you're using, these messages that you're sending via text message, are you comfortable? giving that much of your business away. The other 93% is out there on the hinge hoping that they picked up on it, right? So think about that text messages. We might need to rethink how we're using text messages. Okay, I love texting. If we connect, I'll be like, text me. And you'll be like, Dawn, it's only 7%. And I'll be like, I know, do it anyway. I promise to call you if I'm confused. Um, but I want you to understand that because I do want you to think about that when you're communicating with people, all right? 38% of all communication has to do with tone of voice. All right? If I was standing up here talking like this the whole time, you guys would be like, I don't even care what she's saying. It doesn't even matter because she just keeps talking like this and it's boring and I have no idea and she could be telling me the most amazing thing, but I can't receive it because her tone of voice is making me want to go to sleep. Right? We're droning on. All right? Good news for you. I have a lot of intonation in my voice. Some of you will be annoyed by that by the end. You're welcome. All right. So, but it's 38% about the tone of voice. Right? Can anybody think of an example of this that you might have texted somebody? Nick? 
Should I you go, go with your example. You had an example even before I finished my sentence. I want to hear it. All right, there's a, um, the expression, what do you know? Okay. Interpreted three different ways. Let's hear it. So the first is, uh, what do you know? So that's a greeting, right? Okay. And then, what do you know? Or what do you know? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is, what do you know? Yeah. And now what? We're being accusatory, right? Yeah, right? Those can be fighting words. And do you know who's getting to receive that? Whose tone of voice matters when it comes over in written communication? The receivers, the ears. Yeah, the person that's receiving it, right? And we don't even know what kind of day they're having, right? They might get the, what do you know? And, they're, and you're thinking, oh, what do you know? That's pretty amazing. And they're thinking, don't challenge me. You don't even know what kind of day I've had, right? Now we broke up and we're not talking anymore, right? And people are sad and you don't even know what happened and you're in a fight and you have no clue. Okay, anybody else have an example? Yes, Ken. So fine can mean everything's good, or oh. fine Whew. can mean That's right, that's right, the word fine. Anybody ever text somebody fine? Don't do it, <laughs> right? Yes, yes, Daniel. Actually know the person, they can almost hear your tone of voice in your words. Like, yes. Like, I get texts from you or Diane, like I hear you yeah. talking to me. So. Is that amazing? In my sleep too. Do right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Diane? Do our voices sound that high? <laughs> just this it's we're just so meaningful, Diane. We're so meaningful. That's what he meant. But again, words. It was nice. Yeah, it was. They so but sometimes <laughs> Touche. Guys, but this is the point, right? Tone of voice matters. So you want to hear that. Has anybody on the iPhone yet, if you're an iPhone person, don't yell at me if you're an Android person, found the little button where you can push and you can actually talk like in the text message thing? I do that all the time. Android's had it for longer. Look at that. There you go. Everybody can do it. We just can't do it across brands, right? Like I can't, I don't think I can do it across brands. So here's the deal. Use that. If you're convinced that you need to send a text message, consider using that. If you don't know, raise your hand if you do know how to do that. Everybody look around. If you don't know, talk to one of these people at the end, okay? Remember, connecting people and possibilities. That's very important, right? We need to use our voice. Just be careful. That you aren't pushing it when you didn't mean to be. Uh, yeah, be careful. And then the other trick to this is that if you don't push keep, it will go away. And you'll be like, did I send that? I can't remember. Maybe it's just me, but I need to push keep on a lot of them, which will clog up your phone. We're not talking about technology right now. Okay, 38% tone of voice, guys. Really, really important. So if I'm going to make a phone call, what percent of communication, this is the math portion, what percent of communication am I getting with somebody if I'm going to make a phone call? 45. 45%. That's right. 45% communication when I pick up the phone to make a phone call or I leave one of those voice messages, right? Or if you're on Voxer, then you're getting more communication there, right? It's why it's so important. So I want you to think about that the next time you're trying to convey a message. How important is this message? Is it only 7% important? Is it 45% important, right? Or bonus round, the other 55%, Nathan, I heard it, video. How many of you like got so sick of Zoom during, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want, but so sick of Zoom during like the pandemic and everything. Mm -hmm. You know what, I literally will have people now, they're like, oh, no, I'm not gonna Zoom you. And I'm like, oh, that's sad for you. Because like, <laughs> I need to see what's happening, right? Like I want that facial expression and body language, right? I don't care if you have a baseball cap on. I really don't, guys, don't diminish that. 
There are people that are big business people, guys, and some even in this room, they will fly somewhere, drive hours to have a face-to-face -face meeting. 55% of all communication is in your facial expression and your body language, right? Again, if my face was looking at you with the scowl, right, you would be like, okay, I see that you're communicating a message, but I'm not feeling it because your face is upset, right? At my house, and not just at my house, if you're a close person to me, sometimes I will look at you and I will say, fix your face, yeah. right? Yeah. And that means I love you, fix your face, right? Yeah, it's good, right? It's so important, right? My husband and I say that to each other a lot, right? Um, so it's so important, guys, but your face is important, your body language is important, somebody's leaning in, you're leaning in, right? Somebody's leaning out, sit back a little bit, all right? So this is, this is paramount, guys, this is a big deal. Um, I talk about it a lot, but I also wanna make sure you know, like in the book, this, will, this is gonna line up for you. Any questions about this? The other thing I say, it's, I'm just telling you all the weapons here, okay? Sometimes at home when things are going wrong or something's going on, I'm like 738, 55. Right, like if people are just like spiraling, I'm just like 738.55, right? Your tone of voice is sucking right now. I'm not appreciating that. You're not gonna like what comes out of my mouth, right? So just, again, use some of these tricks. Trigger yourself, right, Nathan? I'll tell you a Yeah, <laughs> right? It's very important, especially with teenagers. I'm just saying. All right, Knox. I'm just gonna add one little thing. Please. As you, get, as you get older, yes. when you use punctuation in your email and text, mm. try to use it correctly. Now, mm. I don't mean it has to be perfect. I did grow up with mom that's an English professor, but I will say that. <laughs> and a dad who's a speech pathologist. So oh on top of that, I will just say, because I have people that work for me, every email I get from them, it's just a simple question, but all of a sudden it's got exclamation points and question marks together after every sentence. I'm like, are you asking a question? Are you pissed? Are you happy? Yeah, you right. Excited? Do you not know if you're excited? Yeah. And things like that, when sometimes you punctuate with exclamation points a lot, which a lot of people like to do that are animated. Yes. I don't take offense by it, but I know other people that read it and are like, okay, are they pissed? God, all I want to do is say, are we meeting for lunch? And you're like, yes, you know, like exclamation point. You're like, right. Okay, are they mad that I asked? You know, people yes. interpret it, especially people that are older, like me, don't understand what you mean by that. I use exclamation points when I'm excited about something, or when I am upset about something, my daughter. You need to come home, exclamation right. points. Right. know what I mean. Right. Right? So it's just be cognizant of that, because that does reflect on your inflection when you're sending Exactly. Exactly. Very good point. And know who you are, right? Like, like Knox said, if you are somebody super animated, Watch yourself, right? Don't be so crazy. Not everybody needs all the smiley faces. Know your audience. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Know your audience. That's so important. Are you drunk? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Do you have something else to add? Yeah, just to add to it, when you use all caps, yes. Why is it so important to you? Yeah. I don't know why I'm always pissed off with all caps. Right? Right? What do you think about that? How does this word make you feel? In control. In control. I like it. You should be up here. 
Anybody else? Like you just got yelled at. Yeah. Yeah. How come? Red and its caps. Yeah. Red and caps. Absolutely. How many of you like to hear this word? No. Okay. Not very many of us. David, why do you like to hear it, David? Okay, and are you hoping to get that next yes from that, that same person that just told you no? Or are you, okay, yes. good. I like that, Mona, why? You have to get to the no's to get to the yes. Yes, that is very true, very, very true. Daniel? It's the babies that'll kill you. Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yes. Exactly, that's one of my favorite answers, right? Stay curious, yeah right? Stay curious. Guys, no is one of the best things you can get out of somebody. So much so that that's the first question I ask on a phone call, to give people permission to tell me no, right? Dan, what do you say, Dan? Or is that? I probably called you several times, didn't I, Don? Yeah, right? No, no, not at all. What did Dan just hear, right? When I said that, I just gave Dan permission to stay on the phone with me. Did you hear what he said? I probably called you at a terrible time, didn't I, Don? No, no, not at all, Dan. You're good, right? That just came out. I didn't have time to think about that. I was like, huh, oh crap, no, he's right, he did. But I just said no, right? Because we're nice. We want to do that. But I just also told Dan no. And when I told Dan no, guess what I felt like? Empowered. Yeah. And I have now already told him no once. So who's in control? Me. I got to tell him no. Right? You want to drive to the no. You want to find the no. Get people to tell you no. Right? Super easy with your teenagers. Practice there if you're not sure. Right? Um, find the no, guys. Okay? Um, so you want to get to a no. Right? No has a positive impact on negotiations because it's setting the other person up to feel like they're in charge. When I call somebody, the first thing that I say, because I just say it a little bit different than Dan does, is, hey, am I catching you at a bad time? Right? I did, yeah, because I reached out to Derek like cold. And then we talked for 15 minutes. We did. It was great. Exactly. But I knew, I'm calling Derek, busy financial guy, right? And I'm like, hey, dude, you got a minute? Did I catch you at a bad time? Right? Like, I started with, did I catch you at a bad time? You know why? Because he's, he's a guy that has a schedule, right? And I know he has a calendar and time blocks on it because we talk about it. So, um, but here's the deal. You want to get people to know. It also has an amazing, um, it has amazing ways to bring down barriers, Right? When people feel like they can tell you no, they're like, okay, you're a safe person. Right? You've made that a safe environment. I'm in control of that, and so they feel good about that. Right? Did I catch you at a bad time? No. Hey, I probably caught you at a bad time, didn't I? You make it what it needs to be for you, but that's one example of where you're giving people permission to tell you no. You're inviting the no. Now that they've told you no, you're in a good position. Right? Um, people do have a need to say no, so you want to get to know as soon as possible in negotiations. So figure out what your questions need to be in your business so that you can get people to a no. Once the no is out, you're going to be able to get to the yeses where you need them, right? But I don't want you to be afraid of the no. I hear that from people a lot, like, oh, I hate no's. Oh, I got five no's today. Awesome. you got to be getting close to a yes somewhere in there, right? And if not, then let's talk about what you're saying. If you're getting a whole bunch of no's and you're not overcoming it, or you're getting a whole bunch of no's, maybe what you're saying isn't what needs to be said, right? Guys, it's feedback, but it's information. Remember Angie said earlier, she went back and talked to her agents after she did Jumpstart because she learned about metrics and data. She was able to go back to those agents and say, let's look at your data. 
Hey, why is your conversion? Why do you have to have five listing appointments to get one to show up, right? When you show up at their house, they're not there. Maybe we need to put some best practices in there about making phone calls in advance, confirming the appointment, right? Letting them know you're on your way, whatever that looks like, guys. It's all information, right? So let the no be information. The other thing that I want you to think about when somebody tells you no, I want you to reframe it. You guys okay with that? I want you to reframe it. This is what no means. It means they don't understand. They need your help. When you hear no, they need more information. And it is now your job in conversion to figure out what do they need to know? Why are they telling you no? Are they telling you no because they just wanna get off the phone? Are they telling you no because they didn't understood what you said and they didn't wanna say that because you've just spent the last 20 minutes together or the last 30 minutes or you've already explained it three times and no felt safe, right? No means there's a need for more information. We're not gonna say that it's not something that they can do, right? It's, it's something people can tell us, no, it's great, right? Frequently, so some of you know, but I'm, so I, I, I'm a health business and life coach. When I'm talking with people about health, a lot of times we're talking about, hey, so on a scale of one to 10, how ready are you to get started on your health journey? And the, a lot of times people will be like, oh, I'm like an eight. Super fantastic, tell me more about that. What would it take to get you to a 10 or a zero? What? what? Well, because zero is fine too. <laughs> if you're not interested at all, that's no big deal. But if you're at an eight, there's some questions or something that you still need to know to be able to move the needle to it being a 10 or a zero, right? Nobody likes to sit in lukewarm, right? Maybe, Daniel said that earlier, maybe it's the worst. So let's figure out what they need to know to get to that. Well, I don't know, I just need some more time. Fantastic. What do you need more time for? I wanna make sure you have the information so you're not just out there spinning, right? Otherwise, it's just a no for now. It could be a yes later. Right, so I want you to get unafraid of no. I actually want you to seek it out, right? You're at a listing appointment, you're at an appointment of some kind and you're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, no, I don't think we're gonna take any steps right now. Awesome, can you tell me a little bit more about when you called me, what your plans were? Well, really I just was having you out to talk with you a little bit more about it and find out the process. Okay, that's great. What would it look like for me to follow up with you then in two months? Would that make more sense? After that, we'll really kind of be outside of this market and I wanna make sure that we're setting you up for success if you intend to do something. No, I don't think that'll be the right time. Can I ask you a question? Was there anything about today, that you, the time that we spent together, where you were kinda of like, I don't think that you're my person? Like you were like, ah, Dawn's super nice, but I don't think she's my girl, right? Like, give them permission to tell you, yeah, that's it, you're weird. <laughs> right? They're not going to say that. The way I asked the question, they're going to say, no, it wasn't that at all. Okay, great. Well, I still have permission to stay in their world then, right? It wasn't me. Something's happening, right? Do you, you know, so that's what you're doing. You're digging and you're helping figure out what do they need from you next. They didn't call a professional and spend time with you, or you didn't call them and they agreed to an appointment for you to not be able to get to the bottom of something, right? People don't like to waste time. Yes? Okay. Yes. Have you experienced uh, an introduction, like a referral via email, like so-and-so, Don, me, Max? Yes. And then you Love reach those. out to Max and say, hey, would you like to meet in person, grab coffee, I'm available on these dates, and then Max says, no thanks. Yeah, absolutely. What do you do with that? Yeah. Because there's a, and this is more of a, a little different scenario. Sure. Permission to coach? Yeah. It's just... Um, no, I mean, do I have permission to coach you on what you're saying? Sure. Yeah, okay, yeah. great, because I think it's applicable and I think it will help people. Anybody else ever have that? Yes. 
Yeah, super nice warm referral, right? Okay, great. So, um, so in that situation, um, when I would make the phone call, I would, I would be reaching out to say, hey, I'm so excited that Derek made this introduction to us. Love that, you know, he thought that the two of us should connect. Tell me a little bit more about you and, you know, and what you're looking to accomplish right now in your business or in your life or whatever it is, right? I just want to hear about them. Um, frankly, I don't, go to, I don't just go to coffee with people, right? Like I don't have that many hours in my day to show up and go to coffee with people that I don't know. And just because Derek thought I should meet you doesn't mean that I want to go to coffee or spend that kind of time, right? So you're, you're like, you're kind of taking like the leap, right? Like I'm, it's a stretch. And I mean, I'm not a big exercise girl, so that would be a lot for me to have to do all that stuff, right? So, um, so again, but it's the concept, right? Think about what's the next step. And what's your what's the real heart, right? I really want to get to know that person so that once I know them, then I can, you know, maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna go to coffee with them. Maybe I'm gonna bring them to lunch. Probably I'm gonna show up here and meet them at Mastermind first because I'm gonna find out if they show up on time, if they do what they said they were gonna do, how they show up in an environment. Do they know who they want to meet? What does their business look like? Right? I can introduce them to a ton of people here. Right? I'm gonna get a lot of information, but I was already going anyway, so I feel good about that. Insert whatever event you're going to. Doesn't have to be Mastermind, right? So that's probably what I would do, and I wonder if you would get more. And if, they, if, if I did get a no, let's say I did that. I called and said, hey, want to reach out and you know, get together with coffee? And they're like, no, thanks. Right? I'm probably asking the wrong question. So instead, I want to ask them, hey, what would it look like for our, our businesses to be mutually beneficial since Derek thought it was a good introduction? Right? So I would lean into maybe a different question, but then also really just find out. If they say no, then I'd be like, tell me more about that. Right? Tell me more about why it's a no. Derek? Yep. Also, I've had somebody say that to me recently. I don't, I don't drink coffee, and I'm like, okay, well, why don't you say that? I'll just, yeah. We'll meet for lunch. We could do tea or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Water. We could have water. Free for all. Okay. Did that help? Thank you. Okay. Okay. You didn't answer the question if that helped, but I'm hoping it did, and I didn't just offend you. Who else said something? Okay. Yeah. That's good. Hutto always has the best statements, the no slide. I like it. All right, so here's what I want you to see though. When somebody says no, I want you to think like this. Listen, I'm in the boat with this person and I'm here to help you. What, I, I need to dig in and figure out what you do need, right? Maybe it's not me, maybe it's something else, right? So that's what I want you to dig into. All right, Oop, I'm going the wrong way again. There you go. All right, when you get to a no, it's okay to pause a little bit, almost like you're in shock, right? Like, huh, all right, right? Like, right, you got a little, here's the deal. You're listening, so you pause a little bit and then you can ask the questions. What about this doesn't work for you, right? What about meeting for coffee doesn't work for you? What would you need to make that work? Well, I don't drink coffee. Okay, great, no problem, right? And if you're, especially if you're looking at the person, it's super easy to, to look at them and kind of be like, is there something about this that bothers you? Or maybe it's in the conversation. They've said, no, I don't think I want to do that. Is there something about what I just suggested that bothers you? Right, you can get direct into the point. How many of you would feel comfortable asking any of those questions? Only half of the room. What, are the, what do the rest of you want to say? Okay, that's fine. Okay, that's, there you go. I love you, Dee. <laughs> Next. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you, Dan. That's right. Yeah. So these would be some questions that could move you in negotiations. Once you get to a no, you could ask some of these questions. All right. You guys getting a good arsenal of questions? All right. Good. All right. We are going to start talking about tactical empathy right now.
Remember we talked about this earlier? Like we talked about empathy. This is how you get like tactical empathy. So the book is written by Chris Voss, number one hostage negotiator. He negotiated some of the most like biggest and like most known um, hostage negotiations. And how many of you would agree that in a hostage negotiation, you can't be like, hey, listen, you take the top half and I'll take the bottom half, right? That's not gonna be part of it, right? It's a little weird, that's not good, right? You need to get the whole person out, right? Or the whole group out. You need to achieve the whole goal. So one of the things I love about that is he doesn't just go about it this way of like, you know, trying to, you know, hold somebody down or make them do something, right? He's using tactical empathy. And so I wanna talk a little bit about this. So tactical empathy is listening martial arts. Anybody know martial arts? Daniel, good, okay. Well, if you don't, you're getting ready to learn the listening version of it, all right? Because it's, it's emotional intelligence on steroids. All right, that's what tactical empathy is. So I want you to, and somebody mentioned this earlier, imagine yourself in the counterpart situation. So you're thinking about the person and you're imagining yourself in their situation, right? So think about a situation maybe you've had recently where you're like, oh, I needed to use some of this. I didn't do it, but I'm gonna learn, right? You're gonna imagine yourself in the other person's situation. You're gonna recognize their perspective and you're gonna vocalize it, right? Like Corey said, you're gonna repeat it back. Tell them what you hear. You're gonna understand those feelings and hear what is behind them, right? Doesn't mean you have to like them. Doesn't mean you agree with them, right? Like you could be like, wow, that's just a real line of stuff there. That's not at all what's happening. Okay, what I hear you saying is this, right? Doesn't matter if you agree. You're gonna bring your attention to the emotional obstacles in getting this argument done. So what is actually getting in the way right now? It's not that they don't wanna meet with me, right? It's not actually that they don't wanna meet with me, it's that they don't have a car to get there and they don't wanna tell me because we aren't that close yet, right? Or they don't have the availability right now and so they're saying no thank you, but I don't know why they're saying no thank you, right? So how do we get to, that's what we need to find out. What is actually in the way of it? And then, most importantly, we're gonna remember communication, right? We're gonna look at words, we're gonna to listen to the tone of voice, we're gonna watch body language, do they get really uncomfortable when you talked about coffee, right? Whatever it is, whatever you're talking to them about. Okay, so that's tactical empathy. So Stephen Kotler says empathy is about the transmission of information. All right, does that surprise anybody that that's what, that, that like as a definition of empathy? The transmission of information. Yeah, right? Like we always think, I don't know about you, but we talked a little bit about empathy earlier. And you guys nailed it, by the way. This is a smart room. You all knew what empathy was. But Stephen says, this is, empathy is about the transmission of information. Compassion is the reaction to that transmission of information. So oftentimes we might be sitting in a situation and we're thinking, I do not like what is coming out of this person's mouth. I don't understand it. And I'm frustrated by it, right? My conversation last night with my daughter, right? frustrated by what I'm hearing right now. And it doesn't matter because I can understand her situation and I can meet her where she is right now and I can have compassion around that, whether I really like the result of what happened with, that or, with it or not, okay? So tact of, tactical em empathy is actively demonstrating verbally that I understand where you're coming from. That's it, I'm just saying I understand where you're coming from. I'm not saying I've been there before. I'm not saying I agree with the fact that you were there. All I'm saying is I understand where you're coming from. I hear you and I want to just get those words back to you, right? It is a transfer of information. This is the FBI's, this is the FBI's definition of empathy when they use it. Empathy is demonstrating an understanding of their perspective, right? So one of the examples Chris gives in the book, which I really love, is that he talks about how he was um, dealing with 
um, terrorists. And he immediately walked into that environment, and in the and this terrorist was standing there, and he you know believed in something different than of course what Chris and the FBI believed in. And he walked in and he started telling this person how frustrated he must be that we were now in their space and bothering them, right? And 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 kind of creating some of these chaos for them, this chaos for them. And he talked about the history of the United States government that has to have been frustrating to this terrorist all these years. And the guy looked at Chris and said, "Are you?" Are you like one of us? And, and Chris was like, no, but I can totally understand what I can understand and I can hear probably what your experience has been, right? I recognize who you are and I'm recognizing that my position and the position of our government all these years has been highly frustrating to you, right? Chris was practicing tactical empathy in that situation. Doesn't mean we like it, didn't mean any of those things. So I want you to remember this and you may need to take a screenshot of it and remind yourself, but empathy is not agreeing it's not disagreeing. It's not even liking what you're hearing, right? You don't have to do any of those things, okay? When you make people feel heard by sharing their perspective, they're going to feel cared for and understood, right? And that's what you're going for. You want them to know that you can hear them and that you're understanding them. All right, so these are some ways to do that. Would that be helpful? I'm a practical girl. Mike mentioned it earlier, right? Like practically speaking, what does that look like, Dawn? Well, first of all, you should smile. Remember, we wanna to be together when this is happening. If you're not, smile anyway. People can hear that through the phone. Okay, so you're gonna smile. You're also gonna slow down. Does anybody feel like I've done a good job of slowing down today? <laughs> Sometimes, thank you, Dan. <laughs> right, traditionally my pace is pretty fast, okay? Um, and this is so important, right? So you're gonna smile, you're gonna slow down, and then you're gonna use one of three voices. Does anybody want to demonstrate one of these voices? Because I know some of you know what they are. Dan? I've got a terrorist that lives with me. She's nine, just turned 10. As we're getting ready to put her to bed, we changed the routine just a little bit. She's Dad, that's not how that works. That's how it works tonight. Can anybody identify what voice Dan was using? Yeah, late night FM DJ. Do you think, and, and Dan, how was that received? She was stunned and <laughs> waited to see what happened next. Right. And, and who, the person that makes the next move loses, and that was probably her, I would assume, right? Yeah, right? So that's how it works tonight. Right? Firm? Done? Right? Like, and, and she was like, wow, okay, that's not my dad's normal voice. That's not how this normally goes, right? Shut it down, right? Smile. Slow down and consider using your late night FM DJ voice. Do y'all need to practice your late night FM DJ voice? Probably, all right? So make sure you take some time to do that. The positive and playful voice is pretty much your normal voice. That's the one you're gonna use the most, okay? That late night FM DJ voice is reserved for when you're trying to make a point and you're trying to drive home, this is how it's gonna be, right? This is what we think that's gonna look like, right? This is a settled type thing, right? That's when you're gonna use that. It also, your inflection in your voice goes downward, like, like Dan's did, right? I struggle with that, guys. Do you know why I read this book every year? Because I need to work on it. <laughs> and it's why I'm teaching it, too, right? That's what happens in our lives. We study things that matter, we practice those things, and then we turn around and we teach other people. So I'm teaching you what I'm learning. I'm talking to myself up here, all right? And then the positive and playful voice is really that good-natured, when you're at your best, right? And then the last voice is your direct and assertive voice. Does anybody like to use their direct and assertive voice? Me too, Tom. Oh, yeah. 
Just a couple of us? Okay, yeah, Allison likes it too, great. Guys, it's a fun voice to use. We really need to use it very little, right? That's the reality. We, sometimes we overuse it and then it loses its effectiveness, all right? But these are the three voices that you're gonna use. So you're gonna smile, you're gonna slow down, and then you're gonna pick which voice do I need to be using to communicate in this moment, right? And then the next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna label what you're seeing or hearing, then you're gonna validate, so you're gonna label their fears. What are you seeing or hearing as their fears? You're gonna validate what you're hearing, right? Corey said this earlier, it seems like, it sounds like, it looks like, right? Yesterday I was in a meeting um, with some people and we were walking through some things that I've been working with them on some stuff about, around metrics. And to be honest, they have some PTSD or trauma around the idea of somebody holding them accountable to data. Um, and that is a real thing for those of you that have worked underneath a micromanage, uh, somebody who's micromanaged, right? And so oftentimes when you've been micromanaged or that has happened to you at some point, right? I don't play light by it when I say PTSD, like I, I don't also mean to minimize that. My point is they have some trauma around that and the trauma response was, so we don't have any accountability or metrics, but we really want our business to grow. Super fantastic. And so we're probably gonna need to look at how we reintroduce some of those things, right? Fascinating, right? I might say, oh, fascinating, okay. Um, right, so we're gonna, we, we had to kind of start having some of those conversations, right? And so at one point in the, in the meeting, I'm looking at this person across the table who hasn't been doing a lot of the talking that's kind of like getting more and more uncomfortable. And I, and I just looked and I said, it seems like something we're talking about right now isn't settling well with you. Is that, is that right? Right, and he said, no. And I said, okay. And then, and then, because I was still and I was quiet, right? Because then you're gonna pause. You're gonna let it sink in that I've asked that question and I'm gonna give enough room. And then that person opened up and shared something about what's going on in their life that I would not have otherwise known. They gave me the ability to now practice empathy and meet them where they were so that then I could get back into the conversation, right? Because the ultimate thing is we needed to move that meeting along, right? Like they're paying me hourly to do things for them. That's not a fun thing if we're having to like process all of that. So we got to that. I was able to offer some empathy and then I have a good follow-up point on, hey, sounds like there's a lot going on right now and I wanna make sure I'm supporting you well and not hitting you with too many things. So let's just keep having that conversation, right? But again, I could have been like, oh, this isn't going well, I need to abort, right? Anybody else like, elope, run away. Okay, so this is important. I, I was able to call out what I thought I was seeing. Okay, can anybody relate to that? Great, label, validate, and pause. All right, we're gonna talk about mirroring. You guys ready for this? Who likes to mirror? Yes, some expert mirrors in the room. Great, who would like to demonstrate mirroring? <laughs> yes, Dan. You would love to? Thank you, Dan. Right? So that was some mirroring, right? Did anybody pick up on what was happening there? What? What did you pick up on? You like the mirror. Yes, repeating? Right? You're repeating it back in what form? So so I said, would anybody like to do that? And Dan said, would anybody like to do that? Right, so you repeat it back as a question, right? You're gonna take the end of something and you're gonna repeat it back as a question. Traditionally, you're using that late night FM DJ voice, right? Sometimes it's gonna start with, I'm sorry, right? Because you're mirroring back to them and you wanna make sure that they, that they can hear you and they're thinking, okay, well, why is that person sorry, right? So I'm listening and I'm mirroring using those last three words. I did this one time in the car for an hour with my husband. It was really fun. 
was when I was reading the book like two years ago. Derek's feeling bad for James right now. James didn't pick up on it because he doesn't know all the stuff. You know what I mean? Like whatever. But at one point he finally was like, can we, can we not have this conversation anymore? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he never said like, why do you just keep repeating all the stuff I'm saying? Right? He just kept giving me more information about what we were talking about. And it actually was really helpful. It's one of the best ways for me to get information from my husband because he does kind of like to just like chop conversations off. Right? And that's okay. Um, and it was a really good way to do that. So, but giving people silence and allowing them to fill in the gap and then continuing to repeat that. You're going to dig, you're going to get more information when you're mirroring. I want to encourage you to practice this with each other, okay? Practice this with other people. Practice doing it in any kind of environment. Dan. Something I've observed even with like high-level communicators, if you teach them this concept, immediately mirror, they'll continue talking as if, they didn't notice it, and they didn't. That's right. And then you keep going with it, and then finally they go, hey, you're doing it to me, aren't you? That's right. Finally, it's the 10th time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And guys, that won't stop. It doesn't necessarily stop. That continues to happen. D Tom. If you haven't worked with the silence or the pause, mm. try it. Um, I, one of my first jobs out of college was working for a collection attorney horrible human being, <laughs> but, but this particular skill, he was good at, and he would just call and say, yeah, this is Mr. Smith with the Smith Law Office, Who? <laughs> and he could go for seconds and seconds, and because the people know what he's calling, yes, and they will just start filling in, yes, <laughs> oh no, I've got the checkbook right here, I'm going to... Yes. Yeah. So if you're not sure what to ask, this is a great thing to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. The silence is huge. It's a big key. Don't feel, don't feel the need to move, move through that. All right. We are going to, we're going to run through a couple of these slides. Um, I would encourage you when you're having a conversation with someone, even if you have to reflect back later, give yourself enough stillness and pause, right? Listen to what they're saying and think to yourself, why are they communicating this to me right now? Why are they saying it right now and like that, right? If you're stuck, you want to try and say no four times, this is a good way to do that. Asking, how am I supposed to do that, right? You can ask somebody that, like, hey, can we go out to dinner tonight? How am I supposed to do that? Like, it kind of catches them off guard, right? Like, now they're solving your problem, all right? Um, and then don't be afraid to say, I'm sorry, no right? And let that be. And then deflect the punch. Instead of no, use that. How am I supposed to do that? What are we trying to accomplish here, right? Ca recapping things you've already talked about is slowing the conversation down and giving people the ability to start to take some ground and they'll start filling in the gaps. Like Tom just said, they're going to start talking to you about things you're thinking, I didn't have that information. That would have been good to know, right? And that's what you want. You want to know what's going on in the background that you're not aware of. That's what's going to help you. Again, remember, this isn't, we're not using this for ill intent, guys. We're using this because we want to replace that no with how can I help, right? We want to help people. That's why we're in the industry that we're in. If you're not in the industry for that reason, we should talk, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, but I know that's what, who's in this room, right? So I know we had to speed through some of those. The last thing I want you to remember, and we've talked about a lot of questions today, but the quality of your life is proportionate to the quality of questions that you ask yourself and others, guys. You need to be asking more questions. And if you're stumped by that, good news, here are some never split the difference questions. You can take a picture of it. 
These are some great questions to use when you're negotiating as if your life depends on it. So we touched on a lot of those today, but you're, and there's more insights to some of those as well. And I actually have a document that I'm gonna share with you as well if you'd like. Guys, the success of any meeting that you're at, you know, Allison mentioned earlier, not just going to networking events, but doing something right with the time that she spent at those events and, and turning around and using that and following up and looking at that. You spent time here today, maybe as much as two hours, right? You might even stay after and you're at two and a half, right? If you got here at 9.30 and you're staying, right? So here's the deal. You spent time, you invested time here today. Do something with the time that you invested. Pick up one thing, meet one person, follow up with that person, right? Do something with what you got here today because the success of any meeting or event attendant is ultimately dependent on the action that you take. Always dependent on the action that you take. Um, I had a conversation with a coaching client earlier this week and one of the things that they said is, I'm responsible for the morale and the motivation. And I said, hmm, tell me more about that, right? What does that mean that you're responsible for those things? The reality is, is that you might be responsible for the morale if you're a leader, right? You might need to make sure morale is okay. You might need to check in with people on that, right? But the motivation always comes after activity, right? You can't, you can do all kinds of things to motivate people, but it's always gonna come from activity. So give people their next action step. Help them understand what it looks like to win with you in your businesses, but also just in life, all right? So take action, that's so important. We do hope that you're with us next month. This will be the last one for this year. Well, there you have it. Another Mastermind Project podcast. We want to thank you for being here and investing in yourself. Uh, that's the key to growth because we know that growth doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. So thank you for investing in yourself. We hope that you found something here useful. As a matter of fact, it's our desire that you've heard something from this podcast that would make a difference if you implement it in your business. And we know that success favors the speed of implementation. Take a note, take action on something that you've learned here. It'll make a difference. We'd love to hear about it. So, and you can also join us and tell us a little bit about it at our next live event. And you can register for that at www.briankmcrae.com. www.briankmcrae.com. We've got our mastermind event scheduled there at our next event on the third Thursday of the month. So for this time and until next time, study things that matter, practice things that matter, and teach things that matter to people who care. Appreciate you.